Welcome to AUCD Network Narratives, where we share real stories from our members. I'm your host, J.D. Flores, Advocacy Specialist at the Strong Center for Developmental Disabilities and the co-chair for the Council on Leadership and Advocacy. Join us as we hear from inspiring leaders within our network working to make a change. to introduce our guest here today, Jairo Arana. His journey in self-advocacy began after being diagnosed late in life with autism and taking a three-day intensive pipeline leadership training program. That step led him to becoming more involved in self-advocacy and participating in LEN. He started out as a part-time consultant at the Mailman Center for Child Development and was hired full-time in 2017 as a clinical program coordinator. He now assists in his LEN and uses pipeline leadership program. So outside of self-advocacy, who are you? Besides my advocacy, I like to write. I like to draw. I, I, I kind of like, I love the arts. Big on science fiction and fantasy. I like to read books. I love history. Before I got into self-advocacy, I was like, you know, into film. I still am, but that, that's how it all began for me. It was like, uh, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. It's like, uh, and a writer. I don't know which one, but, or, and even into comic books. But now I'm like doing some writing again and on the side, you know, I focus 100% on my job, you know, my nine to five, but whenever I get that chance to write or draw, I do that. What are the stories that you kind of want to tell? The stories that I want to write were all really not, didn't say anything. They're all mindless and just, oh, I'll just have an action movie. I love action movies, but then I discovered science fiction and fantasy. You can actually talk about social situations. And recently I've noticed that the things that I've been getting into writing on the side, I end up applying much of what I've learned through Lend. And it's like, wait a minute. It's, it's kind of like, ble- I don't like the word bleeding into, but yeah, blending into it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a valuable lesson where, you know, we can tell a story where it's like you learn stuff, you're inspired what to do and what not to do. And when it comes to leadership, for example, in my photo of, of me that I sent, I'm wearing a T-shirt of one of my favorite shows, which I binge watch at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm like, hey, I learned that in Lend. <laughs> oh my gosh, I learned that in Lend too. Diversity, inclusion, equity, teamwork, assertiveness, not being emotional, <laughs> too emotional. All these things where I was like, oh my gosh, I, th- th- this was already out there. And it's I'm being reminded like after binge watching on you know on my one of my streaming services, I'm like, yeah, this this is good. What are you doing in, in difficult situations? How do you problem solve? I started to think, you know what? I like to t- tell stories about people and show people's perspective, and not just show my own perspective, but show the perspective of others. Well, you have to be very careful. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not. A, you don't want to co-op other people's narratives. You want to be like inclusive, be diverse. It's like, look, this particular individual and this other particular individual experiences life differently. I think that you can include diversity in your stories. And something that I've been doing quite consciously is actually having characters who have disabilities, whether it's physical, whether it's invisible, like autism, which I know what it's like to be autistic, but I'm like, but that's a very interesting story because I I don't see myself as like, my mind is fine. And it's like, it's like, no, you're autistic. Like, wait, what? And then I start to think about, like, include characters that are diverse. Don't just focus on your own narrative. Have people and have them talk and dialogue and think, make mistakes and learn from their mistakes. And I've certainly made 
a few mistakes in my journey in leadership. Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? I mean, you say you see it everywhere. So tell us what it was like to be one of the first. You know, what was it like as you grew within your position? When I did SALT, which is now part of our LEND program, because it, before it was funded by the DD Council here in Florida, I think I was a little self-absorbed and, and thought, I mean, I had just been diagnosed and I had been diagnosed like two years before and I was still struggling with it. And one of the things when I did the leadership program was that on day two, I started to see the world beyond my perspective. I have to give a big shout out to Shelly Bear. She's my mentor. She's the person who advocated for me being hired. I was very quiet during those three days. I, I was listening and I'd be like, every now and then I'd say something or respond to participate. I was quiet and listened when I needed to listen. I spoke up when I, you know, to participate when I felt like speaking up. What does that mean to you, your mentor, and, and how has that impacted you? One of the things that kind of made me connect with my mentors, she created the Bold Beauty Mo- Project, which is women with disabilities working with a photographer to do a photo shoot. Artistic photos was like, you know, the beauty and empowerment of women with disabilities. And I was like, wait a minute. Whoa, I love photography. I took photography and I, I went to film school. I, I, I love the art. So like I mentioned earlier, I was like, I love the arts. And so I was like, can I volunteer in any way help i'll just tell me what to do i'll i'll make the coffee i'll i'll, I'll be like help park cars and i kind of like helped i helped out with the exhibit there was an exhibit and i got two friends of mine also with disabilities to help us out and it, it went great but i was like that connection and uh, with our love for the arts but also for justice social justice dis, you know disability rights and what she taught me as a mentor is something that i try to apply to our lead self-advocates. And it's something that I've talked about, you know, when I meet with other self-advocates, and I say, we need the mentorship approach. We've got to have that one-on-one. I've also learned that everyone has different learning styles. And one of the things about the pandemic that has made things very difficult for all of us is like, some people don't want to sit through Zoom. Some people are not that great with computers. And it's like, oh, this, this learning curve, this, now I have to learn to be good at this. Whereas before the pandemic, we have a great self-advocate who went through the whole pipeline. He, he did the, our high school program, then went on to do salt, uh, salt, then went on to become a LEND trainee, and he finished LEND. But you know, he was a very one-on-one. I'd be like, okay, come over here, sit next to me. That sit next to me, and I'll you know, and shadow me, and just and ask any questions. And that approach, uh, I helped him with as an advocacy project because we we have. Uh, in our LEND program, we're, you know, part of the program is like, okay, you got to create, come up with a self-advocacy project. You make the PowerPoint, you know, you, you, this is the problem that we want to solve. Like, for example, transportation. How can we solve the issue of transportation in our state, for example, on a systems level change? Things like that. And, and you don't have to implement it. It's just think about it. And, and so that one-on-one is kind of the approach that, that we do. So what Shelly role modeled, leadership role modeled onto me, I do with our, our self-advocates. But sometimes it can be a bit challenging. I know I've been a bit challenging to Shelly. She's like, oh. I think that as you've grown as an advocate, and I think you've kind of made mention to this, that as you've grown as an advocate, things have changed for you. And even the way you look at the world is a little different. But if you had a moment where you could go back to your younger self, what would you say to your younger self? I have no idea. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, who is this person wearing a T-shirt? He's, how old are you? You're wearing a Frankenstein T-shirt or or whatever. It's like, you're telling me to be patient, be patient. No, I don't want to be patient. Life is now. 
because I was very impatient. And that also added to anxiety, depression. I felt like I was always trying to, like, as a person with undiagnosed autism, I was always trying to fit in, which now that I look back, it's like, no, why was I trying to fit in? Why couldn't I just be me? I remember there were times where people would be like, her, you know, just be yourself. Are you trying to, they wouldn't say be yourself. It's like, oh, don't try to pretend to be someone else, which came across the wrong way because I was trying to do the social cues, do the, okay, what do people like talking about? I don't like talking about this, but I'll talk about it. We'll talk about sports cars. I'm not really into sports cars, but you know, and I learned about stuff that I really wasn't interested in. But then I also had to learn that, look, not everyone's going to want to talk about my special interests. You know, it's like, oh, have you seen this TV show? It's great. It's like, nah, I'm not really into it. Oh, but you should watch it because it's fantastic. It's like, okay, yeah, but I really know. And then they change the subject and then you go on back to it. It's like, so I've learned those things. And by meeting other people with, with autism and people with disabilities in general, because I don't like to be too focused on autism, the diversity and the intersectionality of things where I'm like thinking, okay, I'm a person on the autism spectrum. There are other people who have, they're on the spectrum, but maybe they have also a physical disability. They're also part, part of maybe of a community that is marginalized. And now they have it even more challenging. It's like, oh my gosh, you have to have those things in mind. And I don't know what I would have told myself if, if I was able to travel back in time, uh, I would have been like, oh my gosh, and, and tell my younger self what to do. Or I, I don't know what to say because I don't know if I would have been open to it. Maybe I just wasn't ready for advice. I just was doing my thing. And it's like, dude, get away from me, man. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't know. So it's, it's very tricky. It's a very good question. And I was like, oh, I'll bet you like a week from now, I'll be like, ah, oh, that's what I should have said. That was, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like, we see the importance of advocacy grow. And as we see new LEND programs join our network, new states to bring on and be willing to take the challenge of running a LEND program, what would you say to these new LEND programs as they recruit their self-advocates, as they create their curriculum of advocacy? What would you say to them? What would you wish that they had that you had to create at the Mailman Center that didn't exist before you? I think it's good to have uh, relationships. Relationships is what was, has helped me. My relationship with my mentor and with our self-advocates who go through our program. Uh, and, and, and to perceive the world the way they, you know, try to understand, to have empathy. To like, you know, because sometimes it, it can be challenging. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to teach something, but I don't know if they're getting it. How do I make sure? And, and we want people to learn, but we want it to be, when I say fun, not fun as in go out and party fun, more like, I, I enjoy this, I feel fulfilled. So that's one of the things that, that I think is very important. I remember when uh, I did, after I did Lend, I was like, oh man, I, well, Shelly had brought it up at the PWD um, work group meetings, like, hey, maybe we should have like competencies, you know, that all, we all have it in, in common, just like the, the family leaders, the family leadership program has uh, its own competencies. So we came up with the PWD work group. We, cre- we created a, a competencies subcommittee uh, with, with, well, other, other self-advocates, Jack Brandt, Mary Angus, uh, McCafferty, Kerman, Shelly and I, we were like, okay, what are some competencies that we could put together? Because one of the things that, I, that, that, I, that just blew my mind was like, wait a minute, we have a history. People with disabilities have a history and a culture and all these things that are like, we need to teach this. I mean, this is not need to. I don't like the word need. It's like, it would be awesome to teach it. I'll use awesome a lot. But it's like that, like, hey, I did not know that. This is an interesting fact. And when you 
learn from history when you see, wait, other people have done it before, so I can too. If I just do it right and uh, maybe, you know, do it better and avoid the mistakes that they may have made in the past. So one of the reasons I love history, by the way, it's like it's like learning from history. It's like the do's and don'ts when it comes to leadership and also about justice and then the pursuit for justice, for social justice, disability justice, all the inequities that go on in, in, in our world. I mean, when you, have, when you study history, you're like, I, I, I didn't study history, but I'm a big fan of history. I have history books and stuff. I was like, I was, and I'm like, wait a minute, what have we gone wrong? How can we make sure these things don't happen again? When these challenges come up, how do we do it? When, you know, when we learned the history of the ADA, for example, the American with Disabilities Act, it's like, oh my gosh, they, they, that's an example right there of how to do it, of how to advocate for yourself, how to do it peacefully, nonviolent, because unfortunately there are detractors out there who try to like demonize you or whatever. It's, you know, it, it's that thing where you kind of like learn or what are the do's and don'ts. One of the things that I think is also very important is, is teamwork. So with my mentor and I, we create a, a team, you know, the, the, the mentor-mentee relationship. Through that, I've, I've met other people in the Mailman Center and then other people throughout the AUCD network. It's like, wait a minute, I'm meeting other people. We exchange ideas and learn from each other. And, and that's been very helpful to me. So if anything that, uh, that I think uh, should be taken away is like, when it comes to self-advocates, it's like the best thing for, you know, lend directors, self-advocate, discipline is create a relationship that, you know, that one-on-one because that helps. What might work for me might not work for someone else. Someone's more visual, a visual learner. I actually even bought books about universal design for learning, which is like, wait a minute, you know, we're not, are we using plain language? Are we using easy read? And now I'm learning all this and I'm like, wait a minute, let's do that. Being open and listening and learning what's out there because there's a lot of, a lot of resources out there. The way you captured all of that is really important, especially as all of our LIN programs across the board grow and they begin to look at advocacy differently and, you know, to its strength, its belief, it's all all the things, you know what I mean? Like, you know, advocacy is definitely like eggs in a cake, water in a batter, whatever it is, you know, we're definitely part of the mainstream ingredients as we continue to build and move forward. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your stories with us, for sharing your time. Thank you for tuning in to AUCD Network Narratives. If this story has inspired you to make a change at your center or program, use the link in our show notes for resources and tools to help you lead on. We'd love to connect with you. So visit the AUCD website and click on the submit your story button at the top. We hope to hear from you soon.